0: Hey, well, welcome to both the Jewish Road Podcast and an overview video that we're doing, really spelling out our year in review. This is our year-end impact report, and we wanted to be able to share this with you both via podcast and for those of you who are watching this uh, via video. Yeah, uh,
1: this is kind of uh, what we did uh, across the country uh, for a couple of weeks. And uh, now we want to do it so we can get it out to everybody, the ones who couldn't be there.
0: And we called this event Taste and See. And the glorious idea was uh, we we're going on an Israel tour on October 8th. And everybody in the world knows by now that October 7th happened just before that. And right. really, the 35 people that we are going to be taking on this trip. Uh, everybody started texting us on Saturday morning, October 7th, saying what is going to happen with our trip.
1: Yeah. What's going on? Are we actually going? And uh, in a short time, we found out that uh, we had to cancel the whole thing.
0: Yeah. So the plan was we're going to go to Israel and bring back with us a lot of Israeli wines and olive oils from some of our friends. We're going to go to a vineyard and all that. And everything shut down. Everything stopped. And so what we had to do is come up with a little bit of a plan B. And as as you know, uh, there's been a lot that's happened since then. And so really the the purpose of this is just to give you an explanation of uh, the year behind us. What was the impact and what were the things that we've done over the course of 2023? Uh, and then also, what is the Jewish road ahead for 2024? Uh, and so many of you who have seen uh, us in person in the last month or two. Um, we've given you, uh, this, uh, little impact report, which is a hard copy. Uh, and this is also available online. So you can see that at the Jewishroad.com 2023. So all this information, as well as this video that you're watching right now is on there, but we want to walk through this.
1: Yeah. And this gives some background as to what the Jewish road is about, what we have been doing, uh, for the past year, and uh, some of the important things, uh, especially in light of where we are today.
0: Yeah. So uh, many of you know that what we have been all about from the very beginning is we we talk about this two-act play. Uh, that all of the Jews, they go to the first act, and they get up intermission, and they go— Meanwhile, all the Christians, they get tickets to that same two-act play, they pass the Jews in the lobby, they see the second act, and and really nobody has seen or heard the whole story, and so we are trying to help Christians make sense of the roots of their faith, and we want to help the Jewish people make sense of Jesus.
1: Yeah. So that kind of brings us to the point, the first point that we're talking about of a dilemma, and uh, there really is a dilemma, and I can testify to that because I had to wrestle with that uh, coming from a traditional Jewish home— moving from New York to California. And we, uh, we had an identification as Jewish people. But when we consider Jesus at the time that we, you know, think of, wow, is he really the Messiah? There is a misidentification. And so, uh, you know, that is something that is a hurdle that Jewish people have to overcome because let's face it, uh, he does not look very Jewish. And so there is a misidentification on both parts, on the part of Christians who don't see the Jewishness of the Messiah and of Jewish people who don't see it and really aren't that interested in Jesus. But as we come to really investigate this, we find that he is Yeshua Hamashiach, Jesus, the Messiah. He's the Messiah of Israel, and
0: uh, and you you grew up with a mom who would tell you all the time he's he's not for you, uh, because as Jewish people looked at who Jesus was, he was very Christian, right?
1: Yeah, well, and once we moved from New York, it wasn't really a problem in Brooklyn, right? But uh, when we came to California, uh, we weren't any longer in a predominantly Jewish neighborhood. Uh, The school, the public school I went to in New York was probably 90% Jewish in that section of Brooklyn. Uh, When I got to California, it was, uh, boy, hardly anybody. But, uh, you know, so we we have the issue then that we had to really deal with that, you know, in order to stay intact as a people culturally, uh, religiously, Uh, Jesus is just not for you, and that's the way I grew up until I was about 26, and that misidentification that was there uh, had to be dealt with, and uh, when we looked at Jesus, when I looked at Jesus at that time, being 26 years old, I had to start thinking about, well, who is he really? You know, I always thought he doesn't look very Jewish, Mm. you know? Yeah. Uh, And it was almost as if our understanding of him was that, well, yeah, we know he's Jewish, but he switched teams, you know, Uh, even to the extent that Mr. and Mrs. Christ had a baby, they named him Jesus and he started this new religion over there. And that was not something that was for us.
0: Yeah, so we've, we've really lost uh, connection to the roots of our faith. And uh, the, the the big thing that we we talk about a lot is that this disconnect, um, it, it, it's left a lot of Christians with this imbalance of, uh, what, what we hear more often than anything else is people who've been going to church, Christian church their entire life, and then they'll hear us talk and they'll say, I, I've never heard anything like this before. Uh, it's been there the whole time. It's not like we are bringing in new scriptures, new passages. We're, we're not
1: inventing anything. No,
0: we're not inventing anything. Um, but we're 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 pulling out stuff that's been overlooked um, by by the church for a long, long time. Because either uh, there's an ignorance or there's an indifference. We we say, well, that's the Old Testament, and that's not really relevant. But we're we're seeing this connection between everything. And and what it's really led to is that we've lost the plot. And uh, the story that I've told is. Uh, 20 years ago, my mom passed away and, uh, breast cancer. And one of the things that our family did in that season was we wanted to go, we wanted to do something with the helplessness and, and the sorrow. And what we wanted to do is we, we raised some funds and we did, uh, the Susan G Komen, uh, breast cancer walk. And it was three days, 60 miles. And, I have to tell you that the first 59 miles were entirely miserable. Um, I you, You're going 20 miles a day, and when you get to the end of the day, uh, even though it's beautiful, you're walking in Southern California along the beach and Carlsbad and some of these nice places, um, at the end of the day, you don't get to go to Ritz-Carlton or the Four Seasons.
1: Now you don't get to check into the hotel, do you? <laughs> no. What, what hotel did you check into? Uh,
0: they, they said, get in line over here and pick up your tent, and the tent <laughs> was not even set up. You had to put the poles together, and I just wanted to plug. Like, I, just, I there were some times I was thinking, like, I'm just gonna lay on the ground, but you're out there in, in, in the, in, on a grass field uh, with a sleeping bag, and it was miserable. Yeah.
1: Well, after 20 miles, you were probably glad to lay down on anything. Yeah,
0: I would have done. Yeah. And then you had to do it the next day and the next day. Uh, and so I, I would say that really most of that time I, I had forgotten why it was that I was there. Um, You know, small reminders here and there, but it wasn't really until uh, that last mile. And that last mile was where really the momentum uh, built up because people lined up along that last mile and they were cheering you on. Um, But what, what you really notice is there were people holding signs um, and they were holding pictures. And these pictures were of people that they were there to remember. Um, There were survivors there, breast cancer survivors, who were saying thank you. And it wasn't really until that last mile that I realized I remembered the story that I was a part of, um, that I had been missing for the entire 59 miles. And and I think that as we go through our lives, our spiritual lives, and that walk with the Lord— um, I think we go through the motions, and we've forgotten why it is that we are doing what we're doing. And really, I think in a lot of ways, uh, I think we're in that last mile. Um, you know, we talk about what would it have been like to live two thousand years ago in Bible times, and uh, I, I think that we're I think that we're there again. Okay. These are prophetic biblical times that we are living in right now.
1: Yeah, people people say that. I've heard people say that so many times. I, I wish I was alive in biblical times, meaning you know, when in in their, you know, wishing that they were there when Yeshua, Jesus, was born, and they would have recognized everything, and they would have believed everything, you know, but it probably wasn't that easy then, but the fact of the matter is you're living in Bible times today because this is such an eventful time prophetically to be living in and where we're going that we are really uh, awaiting not the first coming of the Messiah, but the second coming of the Messiah, the return mm-hmm. of the Messiah, which was laid out prophetically in the Scriptures, uh, just so, in so many places. And uh, there, there is because of that, there is an urgency uh, that we are living with today. And I, I would say that um, I've been a believer for forty-eight years now and i've been in jewish ministry for 48 years and when i first became a believer the message was to get the you know the truth across to our jewish people you know that the messiah has come but something happened on october 7th that just shot the whole thing into a into a different orbit and uh, we are in a place now where you know, things have just catapulted and have gained speed, and so much so that we are looking at those things that are taking place now at the end of the age, and we're seeing prophecy being fulfilled every day as we are, you know, observing uh, the things that are taking place politically, geopolitically, uh, scripturally, how they all mesh together. And so You know, there is a a message today that the stakes really are high right now and different than they have been at any other time since I've been a believer for the last 48 years.
0: So we really feel like our calling is to be a voice. And if if John the Baptist, he's an unusual character in the Bible— uh, he was this voice that was uh, the voice of one calling in the wilderness, and he was saying uh, not only repent, but he's saying prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And, and really part of that, what's unique about John is that he grew up as part of uh, the, the high priest family, his, his father and his mother, they were expectant. Uh, he's a relative of Yeshua, a relative of Jesus, um, and we do not find him in the temple. Uh, where we find him is he's out there in the wilderness, Right, and he's wearing. uh, He's wearing animal skins. Animal skins, and he's eating locusts and honey. Uh, Seems like a little bit of a crazy man, but but his his heart was in the right spot, and he was used uh, as this clarion call, this wake up call to the people of that generation, and they were coming out. and Josephus says, tens of thousands of people were coming out to be immersed by Yochanan by John. Yes, and so. They're coming out, and he is saying, uh, make way for the, for the Lord is coming. And he was the one that identified in John one twenty nine. He says, uh, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So he's declaring the coming of the Lord. And not that we're John the Baptist in any way, but we in the same spirit as John the Baptist, we want to be able to say to this generation, the Lord is coming. Repent. He's coming back again. And we want to make straight paths. And we're not, the Jewish road, this is not a church. Um, We are a little bit out there in the wilderness. Um, And especially right now, we are, now people, we we always say that we're in the the bunker here in Kentucky. (laughs) Welcome to the bunker. This is it. This is what it looks like. Yeah. It's our safe room. It is. It, it it feels safe most of the time, but we we are here uh, to declare and to say, uh, hey, the Lord is returning, and we want to be ready. Um, so, um, to that end, um, what we what we are doing, and how do we do this? How do we get the message out there? If we if we are talking about this message of this two act play, um, what is this message? How does it get dispersed and disseminated out there into the world? As we are unveiling this Jewish Jesus to the world.
1: well, I mean, remarkably to me, I mean, this has really opened up a whole new world for me. Uh, I've, (laughs) you know, I've been focused on just teaching and uh, very, very little, uh, you know, uh, conversing with all of this electronic world here. But, you know, I would say that uh, the way that we are getting all of this out uh, is on several different platforms. I mean, we're going out in person and speaking in a lot of different places and churches. And uh, we uh, we have obviously in our podcast, uh, we Which
0: you didn't <laughs> even know what that was when we first started anything, right? I had <laughs> heard about it. You heard you know? it. What is this podcast thing?
1: Yeah. And, uh, you know, and articles we write that we put on the blog um, and uh, uh, trips to Israel. Uh, so there are several different platforms that uh, we have that, it's attracting how many thousands of people yeah isn't it yeah. and we'll get to that it's in a remarkable. second yeah
0: but it, it is amazing that from this little place here in Kentucky uh, that really becomes this headquarters for being able to to get the, the word out and so we have opportunities even when you see on here uh, devotionals uh, is on one of the slides and if 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 you're wanting more of the visual version you can go to again to the website and you can see this but um, we've been asked by Uversion version to create a a five-day devotional uh, for looking at passion week through Jewish eyes so so there's all of these different things that we have we have going, but one of the things that we have coming that we're really excited about about the year ahead, something that we are working on is a book. Can you believe it? Yeah.
1: Wow. Um, you know, and uh, we are we are working on this. Uh, we kind of got sidetracked uh, from October seventh, you know. But what we want to do, I actually, really, is unveil Jesus Yeshua to the world, and part of it is in this book that we are calling at this point worthy is the lamb and probably when you hear that phrase worthy is the lamb you go right to the book of revelation and you think of that but that and that's a that's a big part but what we want to do is we want to take it all the way back to where the lamb is first introduced to israel and we go back to exodus chapter 12 when the Jewish people are in Egypt, and that lamb had to be set aside and actually brought into the house. This little little male lamb, a year old, uh, and it, it became a pet in the house, really. And they had to observe it and make sure that this lamb was perfect, that it was without spot, it was without blemish, because what they were going to do on Passover is they were going to sacrifice it. They were going to kill it.
0: So much for the pet.
1: Yeah. uh, So, I mean, that is really, and once they came to the determination that the lamb was perfect and it was worthy of being a sacrifice, they would wrap it in swaddling clothes and make sure that everything was tight and so nothing happened from the time that they determined to the time that it was going to be sacrificed, which is an interesting... uh,
0: Yeah, and we'll get into that more too. But the the real interesting part of that is that that God commands Moses to tell the people to take that lamb and to set it aside. Lamb selection day. And there was actually a date. The date was given in Exodus 12. It was the 10th of Nisan. And it wasn't a pet for a long time. But from the 10th of Nisan to the 14th of Nisan, you were to watch, inspect, and look at all that. Fast forward uh, about fourteen hundred plus mm-hmm. years, and yeah. Jesus is riding into Jerusalem on a yeah. donkey. Yeah. I say donkey, you say donkey. It's
1: a, it's a donkey. Donkey. Yes. A, it is a donkey. It's a donkey. How do you say M-O-N-K-E-Y? It's a monkey.
0: <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> We've been there before. Uh. But Jesus walks rides into Jerusalem on this same day, on Lamb Selection Day, and and that's significant all by itself, just to have that realization. But if you could look at the rest of of Jesus' week, we often say it's Friday, but Sunday's coming. It's Sunday, but Friday's coming. But we want to look at what happens the rest of the week. And what we see is Jesus is being tried. Yeah. He's being tested. He's being scrutinized. Why? So he, he
1: rides in on what is typically referred to as Palm Sunday, and then... The next big event is Good Friday, right, which is when the crucifixion took place. But the days in between are really important days because just as the Lamb in Egypt was being scrutinized and as the Lamb in Egypt was uh, being observed to make sure it was without spot and without blemish, so was Yeshua uh, as he entered into Uh, conversation, disputation, uh, questioning amongst all of the religious leaders in Israel, the scribes, the Pharisees, the Herodians, the Sadducees, everybody. And in those days, in the temple, every day, he would be conversing with them until uh, they couldn't answer his questions anymore. And what did they say finally at the end? They said...
0: We, they dare not ask any other questions. They, yeah. they, they said, they, where they, did you get his dare authority? Not
1: ask another, they dared not ask another question. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Even all the way up to Pilate who said, I see nothing wrong in this man. This man is innocent of all these charges. Therefore, Jesus is declared worthy. He is declared blameless. He's declared spotless. And therefore, he was able to be this Passover lamb. Yeah. That's all we got to say yeah. Because, yeah. Yeah, because otherwise, it, there'll be no book to buy. If, that's if right. In, it all in the
1: book, we're, we're going to go through all of these political... Theological. Pain,
0: painstakingly, we will hit absolutely every single thing. Which, by the way, um, our hope is that we will get this uh, out there uh, in next spring. And so we'll just be praying for that process. But uh, along with that, we'll just put this out there that we're already uh, booked for several Passover seders uh, this coming spring. And if that's something that you would like to bring us out, um, you can get one or the other. And don't hurt our feelings if you just choose one or the other, but it probably should be me. Right. <laughs> no you're you're, uh what what was that
1: that bubby used to say self-praise is no recommendation yeah or also don't break your hand uh
0: patting patting yourself yourself on on the back yeah there you go anyway if you want to bring us out for a passover to have a meal together uh this is a really great time because we're making all those arrangements uh for all that stuff so where does all of that leave us um and and this is if you're listening to this on a podcast this is where maybe it's a little bit easier to be able to, to see this because what we're showing right now is some uh, charts and graphs. Uh, but really wanted to just show you um, that we have some activity. What has the activity been? Um, and so really over COVID, there was no Israel trips. We were grounded. In fact, I, I had three Israel trips that were that were canceled because of COVID. And then we finally got out, did a couple earlier this year uh, in April and May. And then we we're planning on doing this one in October that got canceled uh, and then we actually had a couple more that were already set up for 2024 that we're just a little bit waiting and seeing. Uh, but I will say that we are working on not really a, a biblical studies tour like we normally have, but we're working on an opportunity and with some of our partners on the ground. What does it look like for us to show up and to serve and to go see the people of Israel um, to prepare houses for people to return for those who've been replaced or displaced? Um, what do we? How do we go out there? 360,000 Israelis were drafted into the all reserves to active duty and what that does is for the rest of the country those are all able-bodied people that had jobs that were keeping the economy going um so we have some friends who are even over there right now that are helping with agriculture and they're they're picking oranges off of trees and yeah. they are helping to paint they're helping parts of the industry go and they're also delivering needed supplies what would it yeah. be like to be like king david to go deliver supplies even bread food to the front lines of the war just like King David did uh, yeah. to his brother. Yeah,
1: I mean, that, that would be amazing. Uh, we have sent a lot of financial support over to them, and we'll talk about that in a minute, but, yeah. uh, you know, to actually physically go over there and uh, get your hands dirty and get in there and help and work in the land there with the people, uh, that's a whole other thing.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's a super tangible way, but we've also been doing a lot of speaking, um, really, like in the last, you know, 10 days, I think we've probably had about 10 different conversations and we're right now we're in the Hanukkah season and having people over and lots of lots of conversations so a lot of opportunities for uh, events and activities but we're, we're doing a lot of articles and we've really been putting a lot of content and what's beautiful is <coughs> we'll write something and then you just kind of see that it takes off and people share it and it goes all over the world mm-hmm. um, we we started out with uh, I think it was 19 episodes uh, in our first season of the podcast and how many do we have now. Uh, well, we're in the 90s right now, wow. so there's quite a few. We have, we apparently we still have more to say. Um, so we've been putting out podcasts it's and growing part, that it's
1: part of being Jewish. It is. We
0: always have something <laughs> to say, um, and then we've been growing an email audience because what's interesting about social media, uh, even though that audience is growing into the thousands as well, um, that a lot of what you put out there in social media is not always seen, and especially with the content, I'm not sure that we're really getting boosted all that much there. So. Um, We have that audience that has been growing, Mm. but we also have that, here's that social media audience. And so we have thousands and thousands of people that's Facebook or LinkedIn or Instagram. So that's really all over the place there. Um, And then that podcast audience has just grown, but tens of thousands of people.
1: Yeah, I can't even believe it. Uh, So many people that uh, I I never would have thought we would have reached that many people
0: and yet they're tuning in. Yeah. And, and we can see that where they're tuning in from, from, you know, 100 plus countries. Uh, we're, we're getting people. We uh, There's a, a Jew in a prison in Oklahoma. Um, he, who He wrote to us. Yeah. So if you're listening or watching, not sure how that all works over there, but hi. Um, but uh, pretty amazing to just be able to see that audience. And then uh, on our website and uh, we uh, over the last 12 calendar months, I've had more than 100,000 people. Uh, on our website. So, did you ever think you'd hit it such a so big these days? Yeah. Well, you know, my mother always said, you know, you're gonna be a hit one day. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. So uh, we're real thankful. Um, this has not been a uh, we what we we joke about a lot is, is that we put the non back into nonprofit, uh, and and this has not been anything that we've made a dime on uh, in the process of doing that. And so you can see uh, what our giving has been year to date. Um, what we're really thankful for though is when October seventh happened. Um, we we were reached out uh, by a friend, and we'll we'll get to that in one second. But um, you as a community were absolutely Absolutely amazing uh, when we started Project Bulletproof to be able to send uh, bulletproof vests and radio headsets out. Uh, just responded um, with almost $32,000 over the wow. course of six days. And it's just our honor to be a conduit to be able to send that out there and say, we're doing this in the name of Yeshua, of uh, Jesus, the Christian community in America stands with you in Israel and, and loves you. So um, we are thankful to be representatives of that. And so how we want to be able to grow this is we want to be able to put out a uh, a book a year over the next three years. We want to do more Israel trips and uh, training. We say training, gathering, and speaking. Um, Speaking is, you know, if we're invited, if you have us out to your church, that's speaking. Gathering is we've pulled together a little community here locally in in central Kentucky. Yeah,
1: it's pretty strong. It's growing every every month. It uh, is growing more and more. And the people are getting very connected, uh, getting connected to us and uh, (laughs) their Jewish roots,
0: and uh, they are excited, I have to say. Yeah, it's been good. And then training, we've been getting invitations and opportunities. We get to go to Cuba earlier this year, but even just some opportunities to go to Europe and to be able to train pastors on the Jewish roots of their faith. We have an invitation, a standing invitation for this next summer to go to the Philippines. And and be able to train, which is just, can you imagine this guy in the Philippines? I cannot. i got to
1: really learn my
0: language here, you <laughs> no, know. I keep calling him the Philistines. It's uh, not good. This is not good. <laughs> yeah, I think we'll leave you home for that one. Uh, but writing more articles, doing more podcasts, we, uh, we have some fun ideas for some of those things. So anyway, uh, there is a vision to continue to keep doing this and to grow. Um, but all, all that to say, too, is that that... That A significant ministry requires a significant investment. Um, it takes financial investment, and it takes an investment of time. And those are things that we both want to be able to pour into that. And that means that also we, we have to be able to say... Uh, we can't do other things in our life. And so we do, we, we've we've asked ourselves the question, do we want to commit more time to this? And so to that end, uh, we are, our goal is this month to raise $125,000 by the end of this year, or at least have that committed. Um, and as we've been going around and talking to people, we have uh, about half of that already raised. And so we're so thankful. Um, but what we want to be able to do is get out there and do this more and to be able to share uh, the good news that Yeshua, that Jesus is... The Messiah, and so you see how some of those funds would be invested, um, but it really does take quite a bit. Whether that is marketing to make ourselves sustainable and to be able to have this grow organically, like on its own, um, to even just hiring people to help us in the publishing process of getting a book out there, or whenever you record something, the editing process—all yeah, these. There's
1: there's a cost to everything that that you do. Yes. You know.
0: Yep. So we want to make that investment. We've been making that investment and we want to ask you to join us in making that investment so that we can get the word out. And that's, that's really, that's the goal. And, and here is... Um, really the the impact of what that looks like and we just want to share a couple stories real quick um, you can see this slide of Leonor um, we'll talk about uh, our our tour guide friend uh, who's in the IDF right now his name's Amir but Amir uh, about two weeks after uh, I'd just done a tour with him in Israel in May he says uh, hey Matt I, I have I have a problem I need some help it's the worst accent in the world, by the way. Um, but he was leading a tour of one person. And that one-person tour uh, was a woman, a Jewish woman from Los Angeles, who's asking a lot of questions about this Jesus. And what's amazing about Amir is that he said, he didn't send this Jewish woman, hey, go talk to your rabbi and get it yeah, figured okay. out. That's what you figure would uh, normally happen, right? All right. Sends, sends her to, to me and have this conversation. She said something profound. It was I, I'll never forget. It. She said, "I feel like when I am facing Jesus, I turn my back on the Jewish community, and when I face the Jewish community, I've turned my back on Jesus, and I don't know what to do about this because that's really been the option that's been left to our people." Yeah,
1: she really verbalized the dilemma that we all go through. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: and 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 so. What do you do? It, and and we hear this from people. Uh, in fact, even the the other person that we we have here on the screen, Zach, um, Zach is a good friend. But really, like you you hear some of these stories of people saying um, where you, the parents um, oftentimes will they will say, um, we want you to either stay Jewish or be a Christian. But none of this messianic Judaism. And, and because the message is that once you believe in Jesus, you are no longer Jewish. And so the, the, the word that we want to be able to get out there is to be able to say you can both face Jesus and believe in him and you can face the Jewish community. And that's how we are trying to live. Um, and we have really first fruits of our ministry out here in Kentucky. And it's a, it's a lady named Sam. Oh, gosh. Sam
1: Sam is just, uh, she, she is a typical Jewish uh, gal from <laughs> Queens, New York, uh, right next door to uh, where I was. And uh, she found our little ministry on Shabbat. And she had a Christian friend who said that you need to come to this. And uh, so she brought her. And as Sam came uh, every time we do Shabbat, Uh, she was getting drawn back into her roots uh, from a couple of Messianic Jews who believe in Jesus. And one day she came up to me during Shabbat and she said, I want you to immerse me. She didn't say immerse me. She says, I want you to baptize me. I said, you mean a mikvah, Sam? She says, yeah. And uh, so I met with her a couple of times. We talked about what this all was and what it was about. And uh, a couple of, uh, what, it was about a month or two later, yeah. um, we actually uh, secured a spot and uh, we had a mikvah. And Sam is a 79-year-old Jewish woman who is just, loves the Lord now, is the whole world has opened up that she now understands uh, her Jewishness and her Messiah. And uh, you're not going to tell her any different.
0: (laughs) Yeah. In fact, we had her over last night for uh, Hanukkah to celebrate, and we had latkes. But she said, even when she moved from New York into Kentucky... That people would ask her about, you know, where does she go to church, and she didn't even want to. She said, why, "Why would you ask me such a personal question like that?" So she said, her, her, "The easy way to like get people off her back was, I don't believe in organized religion, uh, and it wasn't really a venue for her to be able to to attend and to be a part of." And so we're we love Sam. Uh, she's part of the family. Um, she she declared that. Yeah, <laughs> right. And, and we we've, we've taken her in, but we love her, and uh, I'm sure that she's listening. But she's kind of a, a, a star here. Yeah. Among us, we love her, um, and so we want to we want to bring this uh, a little bit here to a close here. But this is this is Amir. Um, what what have we been doing in Israel and uh, our relationship with Amir?
1: Well, it, it's really interesting. Uh, Amir is a commander of a unit. Um, what was what was the unit? The it's, combat engineers. The, the combat engineer. Uh, when the war broke out, he was one of the IDF uh, reservists that was called up uh, along with, uh, gosh, I think almost four hundred thousand. And uh, he had a unit that he's in charge of. And when he got there, uh, their container that contained all of their, uh, you know, supplies was burned up. And so he called back here. He, he called Matt and said, uh, you know, can you help us? You know, and I thought that was interesting. He didn't go to the Jewish National Fund or to the Israeli government or anything. Uh, you know, they didn't have enough bulletproof vests or radio headgear anymore. And he asked if we could help. So we put the word out to you folks. And uh, as Matt was saying earlier, uh, in six days, we raised over $31,000. Yeah.
0: M- more than we've raised in the entire existence yeah. of the yeah. Jewish road. I mean,
1: if we, if we exactly. took six days and multiplied it by 31,000 throughout the year, that'd be yeah. about a half a million. Huh? There'd be a lot of money there. Yeah. Um, But uh, anyway, we were able to send funds over there to him for him to secure the bulletproof vest, the radio headgear, and we are continuing to keep those funds for special needs over there in the land because there are going to continue to be a lot of them. And so... This is, uh, this is what we're, uh, we're doing. And in uh,
0: fact, if you, if you go uh, below this video, if you're on our website, uh, or if you're not, you can go to thejewishroad.com slash uh, 2023. But under the video that you're watching right now, you scroll down just a little bit, and there is a video of Amir and his unit, and they have their bulletproof vests, and they have the radio headsets, and they're saying thank you. So yeah. uh, it's really cool to be able to see that come full circle. Yeah,
1: and so that was Project Bulletproof Shield, Bulletproof Project Bulletproof, Project Bulletproof, and now that that has been uh, taken care of, uh, we are continuing with Project Shield uh, to work with and protect the Israelis there. Uh, You know, a lot of them are now they've lost family, they've lost their homes, uh, they don't have their jobs, they don't have food. Uh, We're we're putting our funds into those, even to relocate with ministries that we know over there that are working to relocate them and they, they need help. They need funds. And,
0: and really what we are doing there with Amir was that was hitting an immediate and short-term need. And, yeah. and for us, it's not, it's not about the bulletproof vest. It's about, Yes, of course, we are going to be there. We are going to stand with you. We're going to stand with Israel. Uh, it doesn't matter what we're sending. If they needed it and they came to us, if we had a, an ability to do that, we're doing that. And and we are we want to support because this is a muscle that needs to be flexed right now because it's going to get harder and harder to stand with Israel.
1: Yeah, and it's amazing that uh, Amir called a couple of Jewish believers and said, can you help me? Um and it was an opportunity for us to uh, to really be able to uh, to say, yeah, uh, we we'll, we will do everything we can. And uh, you know, uh, what what is really interesting about this, you know, in the last days, uh, you know, Jesus is going to at the end of the tribulation, there is going to be a judgment, and you've probably heard the judgment of the sheep and the goats, Matthew twenty five, and. You know, they will say, uh, he will say to them, you know, when when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me to drink. When I was naked, you clothed me. Uh, when I was sick, you cared for me. And they'll turn to him and say, when did we, you know, give you to eat or give you to drink or clothe you or take care of you? And he'll say, in as much as you did it unto the least of these, my brethren, in other words, his brethren, the Jewish people, is what he's talking about at the end of the tribulation, He said, you did it unto me. And so, you know, this was a a great opportunity for us to stand in the place of Yeshua and to offer that help to our Jewish people who really need it right now.
0: Yeah. So here's where we want to end is uh, it's it's really just a call uh, as we're coming here to the year end. Um, we know that many of you uh, set up your financial life in such a way that at the end of the year this is a, a time for giving um, and and we want to just point something out here that this is an opportunity to give um, and to bless the Jewish people and we are we, we say this a lot um, that we are not buckets we are conduits we don't want all the blessing to come to us and end with us that we want to be channels to be able to to funnel um, that money into growing the kingdom growing the people who are part of the kingdom to deepen and strengthen our, our roots and our connection to the Lord. And so we want to be able to do that. And, and how we do that is we give life. Um, we're not asking to donate. Donate is a very like, non profit thing to do. Donate your money. Um, what's more biblical is to give, but even more than that is if we could elevate that, is we want to be able to give life. Um, and if you're looking at this picture, uh, if you can see this, um, what I have here on the screen is a picture of Yad Vashem. Yad Vashem is the Holocaust Memorial in Jerusalem. Um, it's it's it, it's weird to say. It's beautiful. It's beautiful in a horrific way. Yeah. Um, and and even like so, everything was incredibly thoughtfully done. But it is to remember the names of those who were taken. Um, it's it's amazing because it, even today, it's it's always been hard to think that there are Holocaust deniers. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah, I mean, it's all right there. I mean, I remember walking in and seeing like this uh, pile of shoes of little kids uh, who were lost in the Holocaust just piled up there uh, as uh, as part of the remembrance of what took place then.
0: But it's, it's interesting because you can look back at the Holocaust 80 years ago almost and you, you can say, well, there's been a lot of time. I could see maybe how some people because they're not connected to it, and it was so long ago, might think that it didn't happen if they'd never been here. But that's, I mean, when you go there, it's unmistakable. But you even see now today, um, there are people who are denying the October 7th even happened. Yeah. uh, Even though... Even though Hamas, you know, were body cam videos and they were promoting it on their social media channels, yeah. this is what they're doing. Anyway, I digress. If you look at the architecture of Yad Vashem, they designed it in such a way that it feels like the walls, the walls are are caving in on you, and that's what it felt like to be a Jew during the 1930s and the 1940s. Um, and and honestly, as we talk to a lot of our, our Jewish friends um, and relatives, that that is the feeling uh, that we're going through right now a little bit yeah with uh anti-semitism running rampant worldwide but even here in our own backyard in the united states
1: yeah uh you know people are becoming afraid of you know what is taking place out there and you know i i get a clearer picture you know my grandparents who left pogroms in europe and in russia to come to the united states before world war one uh but the rest of the families uh, for the most part did not come and they were lost in the Holocaust. Yeah. Uh, I never got to meet my great uncle Israel um, and, and others, but Bubby and Zadie, my grandparents, uh, grandparents on both sides, they wouldn't talk about what took place over there. And being young, I never asked, uh, but we can see now some of the horror uh, that is taking place and what you were saying about the walls closing in uh, you know we, we we can get a little bit of a sense of that right now maybe more than a little bit of a sense it's it's like the worst catastrophe that has happened since that time
0: yeah and so not only is the architecture, created in such a way that the walls are closing in. But when you come to the very end of it, it opens up and it actually opens out like it's like there, there's life again. Uh, and and the beautiful part is that when you look at at the picture that we're, we're looking at right now, uh, on the left hand side is a forest. And and ever since the Jewish people have come back to Israel, they've been planting trees. Uh, the Jewish National Fund, anytime we know somebody you could for a bar mitzvah, a way to bless somebody, you buy a tree for them in, in Israel. We've had forests. Um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> we've, I have
1: bought a lot of trees over there.
0: Yeah. And so um, it's it's beautiful to come out the other side and to see uh, that there's life again and Israel is being replanted. Um, and on the right side of the picture, you'll see all these city lights. And that is a town in uh, just the outskirts of Jerusalem called Meviser uh, We have friends who've lived there for a long time, um, but... Uh, the idea is that you can see that not only are there trees and, and this reforestation of the land, but the, it's the repopulation of the land, um, that the the Jewish people are coming back and they're resettling into Israel. And and there's hope that, that there is life. And it's a promise that though, and we have an article coming out on this, that though the enemy has always tried to annihilate or assimilate the Jewish people, um, that he will never do either because God is going to be faithful to preserve and to keep his people. Um, and so, when you give to us at the Jewish Road, um, we're getting this message out um, that we are giving life, um, and we're doing that in two ways. Number one is we are sending support to Israel to be able to help those ministries on the ground who are declaring. These are believing ministries that are not just giving out supplies, but they are also sharing the love, doing it in the name of Yeshua. Um, and so that's that's beautiful. But then you're also um, you're, you're giving life in that we are. Getting the message out that Yeshua is the Messiah as well, um, and so that—that that is our hope. And when you give that, that is our commitment. That is what we work towards: is to continue to create uh, an audience and to create a credible witness to the gospel in a way that not only the Jewish people um, can understand and receive, but so that even Christians would be deepened in their faith and even staunch, more staunchly and robustly committed uh, in their faith. And so we think that that's incredibly important.
1: Yeah. That's the whole focus of uh, why we're here and what we're doing for such a time as this.
0: Yeah, and that that line, for such a time as this, we often relegate that back to this line that Mordecai told to to Esther, Esther. Queen Esther, right? If you don't stand up at this time, then the Lord will raise somebody else up. But that was not a quote for... Fifth century, you know, ancient Israel uh, and 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 Esther at that time. That that as as the enemy has renewed his dogma, his his mission to annihilate and destroy the Jewish people. Um, that is a a commission for each renewing generation to be able to say, um, we're here for such a time as this as well. Yeah. yeah, and and that
1: opens up a whole panorama of things that we can talk about.
0: Yeah. And we will. We'll continue to do this. So we just want to say thank you. Um, we believe that we're making an impact. And thankfully, uh, the Lord has given us vision to be able to do that going forward. In fact, um, the call for us, and we've always said um, that we're telling the whole story, yeah. bridging Act 1 and Act 2. Um, but ever since October 7th, um, there's a narrative out there that's not telling the whole story. Yeah. You're talking about the narrative uh, that's— uh where in the church? No, in the in mainstream media. Oh, but... oh,
1: okay, yeah, in mainstream media. Oh well, that too. Um, and uh, it, it's it's really a time to wake up. Uh, this is a a real wake up time for for everybody, for Israel, uh, for the church, for the world, really. And that's our message: uh, is to get the truth out there.
0: Yeah. So, thank you for listening. Um, Thank you for being a part of what we're doing. For those of you who've already given and have been faithful, for those of you who've sent messages saying, we stand with Israel, we're praying for Israel, um, we say thank you. Um, As you get here towards the end of the year, uh, if you want to be able to give a donation, to be able to just do that, whether it's a one-time end-of-year gift uh, or whether you want to monthly make a commitment, say, I'm I'm with you for the next year, um, we are thankful for all of that. And that will allow us to plan, make plans for ministry in this upcoming year. So um, thank you for listening. And uh, just like we always say, uh, as we close out, and we, we think it's more important now than ever before, Shalu, Shalom, Yerushalayim.
1: Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And the only time that there is going to be peace in Jerusalem is when the Prince of Peace is there
0: on the throne. That's right. Well, amen and Shalom. Yeah, Shalom.